The Bloody Podcastacre with Zach Walters and Kennedy Catherine. Welcome but we got out of it. Oh. <laughs> and welcome back <laughs> to the great potassiter. <laughs> That's going to be our name change. Uh, we were tagged in a recommendation by someone who I'm actually not certain listens to the po- I don't think she does listen to the podcast. If she does, I'm so sorry. That we were calling you out like Yeah. This. And she accidentally wrote the great potassiter. <laughs> And I think that's really just what we should rebrand as. And you know what? I'm okay with it. Me too. We love a rebrand. Can we start the pod with a tail? Yes, I'm ready. I'm actually shocked that I have never told you this or ever said this on the show. My instructor from college must live on your street. He does. For like the last the van. year. The van, right, is here and it has the wrap on it. Yeah. And as I was getting out of my car, I, <laughs> I had like a snapshot PTSD-like memory we were all in class one day and he was talking about like the skills we're going to we're going to gain. And he basically because I went to broadcasting college, mm-hmm. he basically was like, some of you will last on television for a lifetime. Some of you will be on radio until you die. And some of you will just go on to host a mildly successful podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. You were like the frozen. Yeah. And, like about to walk into my building i was literally just like holding starbucks in the street like oh no i hope he never sees me that's so <clears> funny <throat> what day is it today Sunday? i have no fucking idea friday it's, it's good friday well it's not gonna be when this comes out but oh. <laughs> you're right i thought you meant like jesus has risen jesus living laughing and dying anyway what do you want to talk about apparently they're making casper the friendly ghost mm-hmm. into a darker like horror adventure series like how they did with sabrina fun i'm, I'm very intrigued to see how they're gonna do it or what they would do with that yeah but i don't know like the hillary duff one Iconic. near and dear to my heart it's truly the best i should watch it i don't think i've seen it since i was probably like 10 we have like the guest the celebrity game and every once in a while they'll just throw in like a character and, and she gets me literally every time by being like okay child star died from pneumonia and i'm like what <laughs> i will go through the rolodex in my head every time 15 minutes later casper the friendly ghost like the actual actor the character died from pneumonia that's why he's a ghost oh yeah do you know what i'm scared of what casper is in part of like the harvey comics and i feel like that's part of what's that mean oh no i was thinking of rg oh and I was like, I'm very scared that Casper is going to be in Riverdale. Has there not been crossovers with... Okay, Sabrina. do the people on River Riverst- Riverdale have superpowers now? I don't watch it. Oh, I think okay. I watched the first three episodes when it was like starting out. Because I was like, ooh, this could be interesting, like Dark Archie. Mm-hmm. I was like, intrigued. Couldn't get into it. I was just like, this isn't for me anymore. But now I see videos and TikToks. Some of them have died and come back. One of them is like a singer and was singing a Lady Gaga song the other day. I watched that whole video. It was awful. One of my friends was on it. Was on Archie? Yeah. Was on Riverdale. She was dancing. My ex saw the entire cast in like 2018. Just saw them? Yeah, she was in Vancouver. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. No, she didn't see the whole cast. She saw the Sprouse guy and then the blonde one. Just like in the street, like leaving a restaurant. Do you know she wrote a poetry book? 
No. Apparently it is goddamn awful. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You can't just be a celebrity and then go into every lane. I know. There's too many people around you telling you that you can do everything and you can't. Do you know what is one celebrity who I loved their poetry? Who? Halsey. But she's a writer. I know. That's the thing. It's like, she's a lyricist first. That's the And thing. so I'm like, you can just like write essentially a song, but you don't have to sing it. And that's poetry, baby. If you are a songwriter, that's going to translate really easily into poetry. Mm-hmm. It was a great... I listened to the audiobook. I listened to her read it. Hmm. And it was very, very good. There was some that I was like, ah, you could have skipped this. I feel the way about all poetry, though. I think that... Never mind. We don't need to get into my thoughts about poetry. They just got to fill a quota. And do you know who else has to fill quotas? The construction workers. (laughs) 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 I want a compilation. (laughs) So... About every time, because it happens, we have never gotten it right. No, we've never. never said we are the not same on the same thing. wavelength. No. The funny thing is, I feel like as friends, we like are pretty yep. much on the same wavelength most of, most of the time. We cannot finish each other's sentences to save at our lives. all. No, nope. like gun to my head, I will not know what you're about to say. Okay, what did you say? Orphanages. Said orphanages. Okay, well, I said construction workers because we can hear construction around. Fun fact: before. We get into anything regarding the movie Orphan. I have to talk about my new love. Okay, go ahead. Because we barely, we didn't talk about it. You ignored it. You ignored my voice memo about it. it. Because we were voice memoing and then I went AWOL for like two hours. I went and saw everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh my God. Everybody, every single person that I've ever met in my entire life has been telling me to watch it. I'm going to be honest, probably my new favorite movie of all time. (gasps) That's so exciting. It is hilarious. It is so like, the storyline is so good. I sobbed at one point. Like full on was just like sobbing in my like seat. Your coworker was sitting three seats away from me. (laughs) I was going to say, he's the one who's told me to watch it. Yeah. He won't stop talking about it. It is just next level. Hmm. It's gonna have a lot of hype around it i have one friend who went and saw it because i told them to go see it and they were like it's overrated and i was like oh shut up i was like okay but also at the same time also something can't be overrated yet it is just like incredible the acting is amazing jamie lee curtis is in it she's phenomenal the like the mother michelle yo is yeah. that how you say her name she's incredible in mm-hmm. this movie it is a little bit long it's broken into three parts, everything, uh-huh. and then everywhere, and then all at once. I am ready to go see it again all in right. the theaters, and I haven't felt like that for a movie in a long time. That's exciting. I love that feeling. Cool. I would highly recommend. I'm going to go see it at some point. I'm taking myself on a theater date next week, the actual theater, the theater theater. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll go see it after, because I'm seeing a matinee of a play. There is one scene that is, like, horrific. <laughs> I couldn't watch it. It was a lot. Don't tell me. I'm not going to because I want you to experience everything full on. You want me to experience everything everywhere, everywhere all, all at once. once? Yeah. I've seen the clips and the photos of Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis in this movie. I'm sure this is like so irrelevant to the plot, but I enjoyed this little tidbit of information, which is like they tried to put a girdle on her because her outfit was like unflattering, I yeah. guess. And she was like, no, I am a 60 something year old woman. Can I just please look like a 60-something-year-old woman? I love that for her. Yeah. She also, I think, does majority of her own stunts. What I saw. Queen. I went through her Instagram, which she posts like five times a day, if you didn't know. Jamie Lee Curtis? Yes, she I... posts so much. <laughs> That's hysterical. Um, there's like one scene where she's like kind of like jumping off uh, um, like the top of a staircase. Okay. And I was like, oh, it's a stunt double. And I went and watched like these clips on her Instagram. And it's like her like in full like harnesses to the ceiling jumping and like. You want to know why? Activia. <laughs> no <laughs> i bet she had it like stocked on set i wonder if she like still actively eats it no of course not i think if Do you... they still make activia uh, yeah okay anyway 
Let's talk about Orphan. Where would you like to start? <laughs> so Orphan came out 2009. Yeah. Prime getting into horror film age for me. Mm-hmm. Me too. I remember so specifically seeing this in one of my good friend's basements. There was like a big group of us. We watched it. It was like a life-changing experience for me. It was when I realized what kind of horror I liked. Interesting. Yeah. I remember just being like, I don't know that I've ever seen something like this. Because I was just sort of getting to an age where you pick movies based on actual like topics and themes rather than just like, oh, I've heard this movie scares the shit out of me, like a Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I think I really like things that make you think are like psychological. And I watched it probably five times that year. And then I haven't revisited it since. It is definitely not as intelligent as I remembered it being. It wasn't nearly as moving. But I do really like this movie. I think I saw it once. I think we rented it from Blockbuster when it was still alive and well. I think we did the same thing. Um, Yeah, I remember being like, this was amazing. Mm -hmm. But I also remember... That was, like, so disgusting that it was this woman and that, you know, like, the whole, like, reveal. I was, like, so disgusted by it. Watching it now, I was like, you know what? That was kind of clever as hell. And so I appreciated it a lot more. I did skip through a lot of it. I kind of found myself zoning out a lot watching it, especially just, like, the random dialogue. I I was more intrigued by what was happening with Esther as a character. I forgot that there was the side story about the mom quitting drinking. Yes. Because the accident with her younger daughter. I realize that it's very necessary for them to have that storyline because we need a reason for the family to distrust her. Because they make her out to be so hysterical. We like don't really know if she's a reliable narrator or not because they've given us reasons not to trust her. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't have that, it would seem extremely weird that her husband and the people around her do not trust her assessment of this child. That's true. Did not also realize Vera Farmiga. Vera Farmiga. I did not realize, I don't think I knew her in 2009 in anything, but I really did notice a lot of the time, or like certain shots, that she looked like her niece. Taysa? Yeah. That's her sister. No, it's not. Have we had this conversation? Yeah. I always think it's her niece. Yeah, they come from a really big family um, where the parents kind of had almost like two generations of kids. Mm, Interesting. Well... Mm. Her hair in this movie, though, atrocious. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? No, they just were like, girl, flat to your face. Your hair is a little bit oily and we are giving you absolutely no volume at no. all. We might twist the ends a little bit sometimes to well, give you a little curl, but it's going to be a natural curl. And it's going to f- just flip. Just <laughs> yes. a real harsh flip and that's it. I do wish that the husband was... P- Peter Wilson. <laughs> I was going to say Patrick Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Wilson. <laughs> Um, I just like, I was like, I really, they're such a dynamic duo. They just make sense together physically, emotionally. Something about the way they sound together makes sense. And I was like, it would have been 10 times better if it was him. I don't know what role I have seen. Who is this? It's a a a Skarsgård. Yeah, it's Um, one of the brothers or family members. I don't think he actually is related to them. I think he's like his own separate entity, but I could be wrong. he's Skarsgård and they're they're Skarsgård. Yeah. (laughs) One family tree, right? I don't know what I have seen him in where he just gives me the heebie-jeebies. But the whole time I was like, stop touching her. (laughs) Don't you stop that. I need to look up now what he's in. Me too. Um, But do you know what I mostly know the girl who plays Esther in? Is she was in The Hunger Games. She was. Um, And she played kind of the same character. She actually does, even as an adult, kind of look like a child. It's true. She She has a a very very... youthful face. (laughs) We almost had it, but I was getting scared. He's married to Maggie Chillenhall. 
Since 2009? Since this movie. She just had that movie and he's in it. He's in The Lost Daughter. He's been in a lot, but I haven't seen 90% of these. Also a bit part actress, Margot Martindale, the one who was um, Vera Farmiga's like therapist or AA. Yep. That woman is just literally in everything. I know. And I was like, I... You play also, like, very similar roles. She reminds me a lot of Anne Dowd, who's um, yes. in Hereditary. Hereditary. Such a wonderful woman. She was also in Your Honor. Margot was, or Anne yeah, Dowd? Margot. So, the boy who plays Daniel, which is the biological son. I just want to show you a photo of him now. That kid looks like he could be a Lawrence brother. Do you know who the Lawrence brothers are? No. They were, like, big in the 90s. They had a sitcom on maybe, like, ABC Family that was called Brotherly Love took place in Philadelphia. These guys, I'm sorry, but that looks like him. Matthew Lawrence. Yeah. It does. You're right. He was in Daddy Daycare. Right there. He reminds me of, like, Ashia LaBeouf and Even Stevens. Anyways, should we get into the little plotsy plot of this movie? Let's get into the plotsy plot. Kate and John are struggling as a couple after the stillbirth of their third child, Jessica. The loss of the child was particularly hard on Kate. They decide to adopt a nine-year-old Russian girl, Esther, from a local orphanage. While their five-year-old deaf daughter, Max, embraces Esther, their 12-year-old son, Daniel, is cold toward her. One night, Esther interrupts an intimate moment between her new parents, and when Kate tries to talk it through with her, she becomes suspicious. Esther has a greater knowledge of sex than a child her age should. Over time, the kids see Esther's hostile behavior, killing an injured pigeon and badly injuring a bullying classmate. The head of the orphanage visits the household, warning Kate and John that tragic events and accidents always seem to happen around Esther. To keep her from returning, Esther causes her to crash her car on the road and then kills her with a hammer. She forces Max to help her move the body and then hides the evidence in Daniel's treehouse. Daniel sees them at the treehouse and she threatens to kill him if he tells Kate or John. As Kate becomes further convinced about Esther's unusual behavior, John believes she's being paranoid and tells Esther that she should do something nice for Kate. Esther rips out the flowers from Jessica's grave and gives it to Kate as a bouquet. Kate roughly grabs Esther's arm in distress and frustration. That night, Esther breaks her own arm and blames Kate, causing further strife in the marriage. The next day, she releases the brake in the car, causing it to roll into oncoming traffic with Max inside. She also points out the wine she found in the kitchen, causing John and Kate's therapist to think that Kate is over the limit again, though she's not. They suggest she should return to rehab, and John threatens to leave her with the children if she refuses. Kate eventually discovers that Esther came from a mental hospital, and the orphanage she claims she was from has no record of her. Esther sets the treehouse on fire, attempting to kill Daniel, but her plan fails. Daniel is seriously injured, and while in hospital, Esther tries to smother him to death with a pillow, but doctors arrive in time to revive him. Kate, whose suspicions are confirmed, slaps Esther and then is restrained and sedated. That night, Esther attempts to seduce John, who threatens to send Esther back to the orphanage after realizing Kate had been right all along. At the hospital, Kate learns that Esther is actually a 33-year-old woman with a rare hormonal disorder that stunted her physical growth and caused proportional dwarfism. She has spent most of her life posing as a little girl. The ribbons she wears around her wrists and neck have been hiding her scars from her time at the institution. Meanwhile, Esther, rejected, stabs John to death. Kate rushes home where a struggle ensues between her and Esther. Kate and Max flee as police arrive, but Esther attacks near the frozen pond, hurtling them into the ice. The ice shatters, sending Esther and Kate underwater. When Kate climbs out, Esther pleads for her life, but Kate angrily kicks her in the face, breaking her neck and killing her. Her body sinks into the pond as Kate and Max are met by the police. Orphan. 
Yeah. Where the term daddy originated for straight women with daddy issues. <laughs> Ew. Because the whole time she was like, daddy. I was like. That was a little bit more English than Russian. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I know I can't do Russian. So I was I like, can't I'm going to take the next available accent. <laughs> the only accent. Yeah. So my other thought after that, you know how we've talked about horror movies with kids in them. They often like do things strategically to protect the kids from understanding fully what they're doing. Yeah. There is no way that they were able to do that with Isabel Furman, who plays Esther in this movie, specifically when she's trying to seduce John. And I, I know. need to understand how they went about that because I am uncomfortable with the idea The other of it. one that I was thinking of is when they just give the kids the porn magazines. I was like, that's a lot for these children. True. The other one I was thinking of is the bird scene. It feels like they just let them. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they killed a real bird on set that day. Mm-hmm. Esther, as I think a character, is truly terrifying. Absolutely. Like, that's, I think, the reason that this movie for me is, like, a great movie is because it's so, like, fleshed out that she's, like, maniacal, cold-blooded. She has so much manipulation and, like, brutality to her. The way that she, like, very specifically antagonizes Kate about a thing that is, like, so painful and traumatizing. All the time. Is so upsetting. Even, like, the language Mm -hmm. that she uses, one of my favorite lines in this movie is when Vera Farmiga is having a conversation with her talking about how a mommy and daddy fall in love and Esther goes yeah they fuck (laughs) I was like okay yeah it is jarring I was like kind of like going through a deep dive for this character Mm -hmm. while she auditioned for this movie she wore an old-fashioned dress with ribbons around her wrist and they brought that into the movie as like part of it oh that was like her own thing yeah oh that's cool um Esther was described as having fair skin, delicate features, and platinum blonde hair. Mm. And she didn't fit the description, but they wanted her anyways after her audition because she was so good in it. That movie would be nothing without her. I agree. She also studied performances of Glenn Close in Dangerous Liaisons and Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lamb. For being 10 and like, or 11 or 12 when you're filming this movie, why are you studying? Yeah, that's real heavy. Like, but those movies are like things that are like, very adult. Yes, very adult. At that age, you're not even going to understand, like, what's happening. Like, maybe in Silence of the Lambs, like, yes. it's pretty obtuse. But, like, Dangerous Liaisons, she's going to have no idea what that's even about. I know. I don't know what it's about because I've never seen it. Oh, I'm agreeing this whole good. time. It's period piece. It just, like, blows me away how, like, realistic as a 12-year-old she portrays a 33-year-old portraying a 12-year-old. That's the exact thing about it. It's like there is an energy about her when she was 33. I believed it. I know. And like the way that... So when she takes off her makeup and takes out her like false teeth veneers... And her face kind of like sags. They did a really good job with that. such a good job. And she became so much more terrifying. Mm -hmm. Even like the whole time you're like, this is unsettling because this little child is being incredibly creepy and like rude to all of these people. Also watching this movie regarding the ribbons. I don't know why, but I was like, oh, it's because her head fell off. (laughs) Sack! I literally (laughs) have that written in my notes. Where the fuck is it? Is that a different movie? I said... With the color that she wears, I thought back to that old story where the person removes the ribbons from the woman's neck and her head falls off. I fully thought she was decapitated. Me too. And I was like, okay, she's old and she's decapitated. So that's why she has to keep the ribbons on. But like a a decapitated person is not alive. I know. Like, did we think she was a ghost? Kind of. Yeah, I guess. I was willing and ready for anything to happen. Even though we knew what, what, like, rewatching we knew, but, like... The movie's called Orphan. It hinges on her being an orphan, not her being a dead, decapitated woman. Imagine that's the title. Dead, decapitated woman. (laughs) Working title of our next feature. DDW. 
I wonder if there was some like is there another movie that we're thinking of where there is like a ribbon I, situation? I don't think so. That is like an old wives' tale. That's just like an old lore folk tale, sort of. I just really need to circle back. Yes, sorry. What did they tell her she was doing when she was supposed to be seducing him? Because there right. is a shot where she leans into his ear and says, like, I will make you feel good or something yes. along those lines. Mm-hmm. And like the way that it's set up, like you can tell that she did that. There's no like voiceover. There's no, no like, yeah, stand in. No. And it's just like it's so uncomfortable because she's also in a full face of makeup. Mm-hmm. And she's also like has her hair done. She's wearing like a sultry outfit and has a knife. I also wonder, like, the scene where she's walking from the kitchen holding the knife, Mm -hmm. we don't see her face. I think there was, like, a couple points in the end scenes where the body was a stand-in. Which is very possible and would make a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, why would they do that or, like, keep the adult there for the scene? Why keep him with the child? Oh, like, you know, like, find a way to, like, shoot it so that he's actually not there at all? Yes. Yeah. I don't know, because it's so much more uncomfortable if he is. I guess. but And it's, like, the fact that he's, like, drunk and, you know, whatever. Mm. You're, you're watching and you're like, I literally would rather skip forward. Well, yeah, because we know the intention is that she's 33, but that actress is, like, 12. Yes. And it's just, like, it's can we not? Why did we have to do this? Mm-hmm. I agree. Speaking of the father... A lot of people online absolutely hate the father as a character. I also didn't like him. Personally, also didn't like him. But after reading some stuff, I think it's more like he was written that way Mm -hmm. instead of him being awful. He's like this very cliche horror character. But nobody would have guessed that it's a 33-year-old woman. No, but he doesn't listen to her at all. Like, it's so frustrating. That's the one thing that is the beauty and also the frustrating thing about this movie is it's that classic trope of, like, one person is clearly telling everyone that something is going on and then no one believes them. And we've talked about before how, like, one of our biggest fears personally Mm -hmm. is that something would happen, something big would happen and people wouldn't believe us and then you're stuck in this position of like having to wonder if you're crazy or if just no one is listening to you and from the very beginning where it's like she has this dream of her experiencing this super traumatizing event where no one around her is noticing or cares or feels it in the same way she does is like this common thread throughout the rest of the movie where she's just seen as like kind of hysterical and it's so fucking frustrating to watch i understand that we are made to believe that he does not trust her because the situation happened with their daughter it's like she was drunk and she Mm -hmm. was irresponsible how does that translate into okay also she like makes up stories about people and her experience with children now like it just seemed weird also the fact that like there's this common denominator of her like people not having trust with her why let her adopt right now exactly maybe that's something that you should revisit in a couple of months maybe a year or two yeah you also still do have two children Mm -hmm. you do not need a third grown child (laughs) you don't need a third 33 year old in your house (laughs) but like you know you don't need to add a 12 year old to your family of already like young children yeah it's like it's pretty clear from the very beginning that they're having issues and he doesn't trust her and he's like yeah but sure let's just get like a severely traumatized child from russia that seems like a great idea yeah there was a scene in the beginning where vera goes to pick up max i thought that that was like the adoption place Mm. and i was like wow people are really just walking out with a bunch of children (laughs) i was like it is bumping it's like 
So Buy casual. one, get one free. It is on sale right now for kids. And then it got me thinking, like, how weird it is that you can just, like... Get a child? Get a child or buy a child and keep it for the rest of your life. Adoption is a really weird... Is a very weird concept. Like, obviously, it's very necessary. Yes, I agree. I find that, like, most structures in society are pretty flawed. But anyway, um, it is a very necessary thing. But I have such a hard time kind of wrapping my head around the logistics of it. Like, I made a note that was, like... I've never understood the timeline of this movie. It's like day two, she goes to school. Day yep. three, she's super fluent in ASL. I know. Day four, pianist. Right. Like, she could just pick it all up. But it's so weird to me to think about the fact that there are people who take in, like, foster children or adopt a child. And, like, literally two days later, they're like, and off to school we go. I know. Like, when she was yelling for her to get ready, I was like, you don't even you don't even know her middle name. Why? Did no one help her get ready? When she shows up at the top of the stairs in that dress and she's like, oh, sweetie. I'm like, my mom was helping me get dressed until I was like 12. Maybe we shouldn't wear your Victorian era dress to school that you somehow (laughs) have gotten. Here's the other thing that makes it weird to me. She's only supposed to be 33, not 300. You know, there's so Why many. Why does mo- she look like a haunted doll? I know. There's so many times where I'm like, yes, you have come from Russia. Like, but Russia is also a modernized country. And you're only 33. Yeah. It's not like you're 80 some years old mm-hmm. where you've lived through a war or something. She you really know? does. She feels like a haunted doll from World War II. For what? What is your sources of inspiration? That's what I'd like to know. I'd like to sit her down here and be like, what are your sources of inspiration? Tell me. If you were going to create me a mood board, Esther. Like, <laughs> what would it be? Who, what, You're, when, where, and why? Do you know what Pinterest is, Esther? <laughs> Can Probably you not. build me a board real quick? Because I just need to see what this is all about. So yeah, that's one thing that threw me off the whole time. Even 33 years ago, 1980, why are you obsessed with Victorian era? That's one thing I never fully understand in this movie was the aesthetic of Esther. Mm-hmm. The aesthetic. I also forgot about, like, the whole blacklight, like, her painting kind of thing. It was a pretty wow. cool addition. I actually really yes. like that. Also, once again, let's pick up another skill. Artist. Like, full-on realism. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, girl, what can't you do? That's the other thing I was thinking of is, like, you're only 33. How can you pick up all of these skills? I'm turning 27. I can't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like, a lot of these things, like, playing piano and art... Those are things that if you carry that through as a lifelong skill, it's probably because it's something that your parents instilled in you fairly young. I did both of those things. <laughs> and then you dropped the ball. So don't project on her. There's literally a paint by numbers in the corner of your apartment. That has been there for a almost year. a year. <laughs> and it's it is, just, it's so hard. That it is not. An, is it? Like, I'm sure. It, no, listen, I'm sure it is. But I can tell you that you've given it, what, three shots? Because you've, you've not filled in any other square in the last year. No. Paint's probably dry. <laughs> When we talk about, like, her manipulation, though, speaking of all of her skills, when they had that conversation where Vera was like, why are you letting me teach you piano when you you told me that you don't play piano? And she was like, I didn't tell you that I don't play piano. I just told you that you could teach me. Or, like, whatever her wording was was so tricky. And I'm like, god damn you. She really is the gaslight gatekeep girl boss of Russia. Absolutely, she is. If she's even from Russia. Which she's not. She's from Estonia. You're right. I'm just, like, running through all my notes here. The house from the outside, very Cullen-esque. Yes. I liked it. It's very much Canadian. They filmed in Toronto. Yes, I saw that. They also uh, filmed some in Connecticut. Love that. Mm-hmm. You know what's a movie we never did? What? Haunting in Connecticut. Yes, we did. No, we No, haven't. we did not. It's a great movie. I it really is. like that movie. A movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm maybe going to watch that 
tonight. We'll see. Second one, though, atrocious. I never watched it. No, it is not good. The first one I remember, I watched it on a band trip to Banff in the middle of the night. Oh, scary. It was terrifying. I remember watching it with my cousins, and I remember, like, being very moved by the cancer storyline and how that mom is, like, very alone. And I remember crying and then getting home and asking my mom if she'd watch it with me. (laughs) And so me and my mom watched it in my basement. In our basement, it was not my house. <laughs> and my mom was so fucking scared. Like, to this day, she'll be like, God, you remember that movie with the fucking eyelids? I'm like, yeah, Meredith, I'm sorry I did that to you. I bet me playing with my hair and it hitting my jacket is being picked up by the mic, and I've been doing it this whole time. So if I go to edit that, and I can't edit that out, I'm so sorry. Speaking of moms and watching horror movies, I watched... The first scary movie I watched with my mom was The Sixth Sense. She was scared shitless. It is my I love watching scary movies with my mom. Me too. And then we watched Cujo together because it was like one of the a classic. It was one of like the first scary movies she's like ever seen, mm-hmm. and she was like she couldn't watch it. Still, it was like this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Mom, she's like I can't watch this with you anymore. <laughs> and I was like okay. The third, my best friend Jenna and I were watching Pretty Little Liars in the living room. Okay. One of the characters is trying to frantically get into the car and a girl comes up and it reveals that it's like Mona, her best friend. And my mom's standing behind the couch watching. She's just like peering. And it goes, oh, it's Mona. (laughs) And then we're like, oh. And then my mom, five seconds later, blood curdling scream. The moment is over. It like catches up with her that this character is like there. Like the reveal happened. And she was just like, that was more scary than like the whole scene of that like show. And I don't know why it took her so long to catch up to it. I was laughing for a completely different reason, which is I thought I was filling in some holes in my head. And I thought you were saying that your mom had been like standing over your shoulder for so long watching Pretty Little Liars by proxy for like so many seasons <laughs> that she told you guys like, oh, it's Mona. And that's why I, that's why I laugh. No, this is not going to translate to the audience very that's okay very though well, but that's right um yeah i remember when we were watching i don't think it was haunting in connecticut i think it was something else oh it was Ma- mama mommy mama yeah the one with like the weird thing that like lives the in the shadows children? yes yes yeah we were watching that maybe i don't remember and it was like the middle of the day and somebody rang our doorbell <laughs> and my mom like looked at me and she was like i'm not going to get that i was like what and she was like you go and like we literally fought like you go no you go and then we agreed that the only way we would go is if we both walked up the stairs side <laughs> so we're just like shuffling our way upstairs to the door i'm like you're speaking, the adult um speaking of mama we are not talking about orphan at all we were like you know what, let's take a break um the only thing i remember from that movie one of the children it's like at the very end of the movie the like haunted mama thing is like floating in the air at like the cliff mm-hmm. anyways one of the children goes victoria come yeah mama mm-hmm. that's all i remember is she says that and then they spoof in a scary movie five with ashley tisdale and that was also like a very that was like a scene they played everywhere when it came out so yeah let's talk about how this movie did because i was surprised to find out that it is not a well-liked movie yeah i when i was going through like the internet mm-hmm. as i do i was also shocked the thing that I've realized, though, more recently is that unless there's a huge, like, tent pole behind it or it's, like, political, it's always going to be rated low. Yeah, horror movies for just, horror like, movies statistically do not do well. I've learned over the years to be, like, below 50. It doesn't matter. I agree with that. And I've been trying hard, like, to be like, okay, I don't have to watch, like, an 80% Rotten Tomatoes movie every time. That's a good way. That's a good rule of thumb with horror movies. Mm-hmm. For sure. 
One thing that I thought was interesting was that the film was not well received by adoption groups. Yes. So um, the controversy caused the filmmakers to change a line in one of the trailers. Did you see this? Yes, I did. The original line was, it must be difficult to love an adopted child as much as your own. And they changed it to, I don't think mommy likes me very much. But that was only in the trailer. Right. Yes. And one reviewer wrote, the movie Orphan comes directly from this unexamined place in pop culture. Esther's shadowy past includes Eastern Europe. She appears normal and sweet, but quickly turns violent and cruel, especially toward her mother. These are cliches. This is the baggage with which we saddle abandoned, orphaned, or disabled children given a fresh start at a family life. And I thought that was, like, very interesting. It was Mm -hmm. one of those things where there's so many small nuances to things outside of, like, Western culture and, like, North America that you watch passively and it's part of our entertainment and then on a larger scale, it's like actually pretty deeply offensive. Mm-hmm. So that was one of those moments where I was like, God, why didn't I, I didn't even think of that. And uh, so I guess they added like a pro adoption service message on the DVD advising viewers to consider adoption as like a way to sort That's of good. make up for that. I didn't know that like the extent of it. I just saw that they had removed yeah. um, that one line from the trailer, but they did keep it in the movie. Because mm-hmm. I do think that like for the characters that like packs a punch. It does, absolutely. And I think that that was just kind of like part of her shtick or Mm -hmm. like Esther's way of sort of manipulating her was just like, well, you don't love me enough. Or like you're looking for things that are wrong with me because I'm not yours. One thing like also on that note that I want to talk about, it's like heartbreaking the scene when she takes the, I have a note about it. Um, she takes the flowers mm-hmm. and she brings them and she's like trying to act like she doesn't know. There's so many times where it's like, you just want to smack that child. If you haven't seen it, Vera's character like really shows and like gets down on Esther's level to explain to her like, this is the kind of monument that I built for my child who I lost and like tells her the story. And then we find out that Esther had been reading her diary and read like the most painful things about her. And she planted these roses for her daughter. And so when the husband tells Esther, like, you need to do something nice for your mom, she goes and picks those roses and then tries to give them to her as a gift, which is so cruel. It is so mean. And it's like, the thing is, they didn't do shit to you. Like, she was always so nice to Esther. She was always very caring towards her. And I don't know why Esther had to be like, I'm going to fuck up your life. Because she's a 33-year-old con artist. You're right. Inventing Esther. Well, also, this movie is based on something that happened. They, they were inspired by a story that was, like, circulating in the media at the time. Do you want to hear about that? I would love to. It's fucking crazy. This was the story of the Morova family. It's a bizarre, disturbing story. There's cannibalism, child abuse, identity theft. Like, if you name it, cults, it's in there. Jesus. So there was a woman named Clara. She was from the Czech Republic. And um, she always told people that she was destined to fulfill a mission for God. So Classic. Yeah. And her sister also had a mission. So Clara went on to have two sons. And the father of the sons eventually left because she was just kind of acting strangely and probably not super mentally well. People always said that she was a good mother in the beginning. But right after the breakup, her and her sons then moved in with her sister. The sisters became friendly with a 33-year-old next door, Barbara Sklorva. Skrlova? She was an award-winning classical composer. She had a glandular disease that made her look much younger than she really was, and people often mistook her for a child, and she used it to her advantage. So she was prone to getting in trouble with the law, so she would just pose as a minor to avoid being charged. On the other side, like, imagine trying to, like, go buy, like, a bottle of wine. Or date anything yeah there's like so many pros and cons to that absolutely 
So before Barbara came to the Czech Republic, she was in Scandinavia and she posed as a 13 year old girl named Annika. It was just the thing that she did. So shortly after she met those two women, they joined a religious cult that was led by Barbara's father known as the Grail Movement. The cult expressed the belief that their members could get into heaven by doing good deeds. However, they also believed that they would be absolved of committing crimes. Okay. I was like, we're starting off okay. No. So these three women, the two sisters are now living together. Barbara is their friend. For whatever reason, they just start like an absolutely horrendous process of abuse on the two sons of this one woman. The two boys were locked in a cage in the basement where they remained for a year There's so many horrifying details to this story, but I will leave the vast majority of them out and just give you sort of like a year. Yeah. So I'll just give you sort of like a brief overview, but it is, it is bad. If you can imagine it, it happened. So during that year, they were completely stripped, given no blankets or anything soft to lay on. They were starved, tortured, beaten, sexually assaulted, forced to hurt themselves. And when they weren't in cages, they would be handcuffed to a table where they were just like made to stand for days on end. And the three women ate the boys' flesh. So when they weren't being tortured, they were being literally eaten alive. So the abuse was eventually uncovered just by chance in early May of 2007 when a neighbor's television baby monitor picked up graphic videos because they had set up baby monitors to be able to watch the abuse from other rooms. So the neighbor just like happened to have interference and called the police. The police came and rescued the boys. But when they did, Barbara posed as a 13 year old to avoid being charged. So they thought that they were actually rescuing three kids, the two boys and then a 13 year old who she said she was part of the abuse. So all three of them were sent to a children's home before it was uncovered that she was actually an adult. But before police could arrest her, she fled to Norway, and then she took up a new identity as a 13-year-old boy named Adam. So in Oslo, she shaved her head, and she enrolled in school. And eight months later, she was eventually tracked down by police. Following the arrest, all of the women turned on each other. Clara claimed that she had been brainwashed by a doctor who sent her messages instructing her what abuse and torture to inflict on the boys. Um, The police later discovered that the phone number of this doctor actually was her sister. Barbara also claimed that she was innocent and that she too had been tortured by the sisters, but no one believed her. So according to prosecutors, the purpose of the torture and the abuse was to break the boys down and enslave them for religious purposes. While the three women were part of this like grail movement, they had actually branched out and were trying to create their own cult. And they believed that breaking members down, like the only way to show their devotion was through physical abuse and physical devotion. The mother was sentenced to nine years in prison. The sister was sentenced to 10 years in prison. And Barbara was sentenced to five years in prison. But they've all been paroled. So, like, it is a truly fucking horrifying story of what happened to these boys. But as it was circulating in the media, the writer of the story picked, you know, Mm -hmm. that one aspect of this case. That is crazy. And I'm surprised I haven't seen, like... A documentary about that. There's like a lot of articles and stuff around it, but Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've ever seen like any television documentaries or anything like that. There is another story that's been really popular for a couple of years. Natalia Bennett. Have you heard about this? The name sounds really familiar. Okay, no, it wasn't in Canada. It was in Indiana. But essentially, it's a really sad story and it's kind of hard to get details on what happened. And like a lot of the accounts are very one-sided. But my recollection of it, I don't have notes on it, is essentially this family adopted a young girl who has a dwarfism 
condition. And at some point, they were led to believe that she was actually an adult. And I can't remember exactly what happened. They basically just moved. Like, they moved for somebody. One of the husband, I think, got a job. And they were like, "Mm, screw her. Got her an apartment. Got her on food stamps. Just, like, left her when she was supposedly, like, maybe 13. And they just claimed that she was an adult. And when they got found out and this child was taken into custody, they did testing on her like genetic testing of sorts and there was a doctor who said she is definitely an adult but then when they went to court over it other tests were like no she is her own age and like conclusively there isn't really an answer either way and I think most likely from what I can tell from like a follow-up interview that I saw I do think she actually is or was a child she has grown up like she is Mm -hmm. the same stature but this story took place like a couple of years before that and then she was moved and she was living somewhere else and she was going to school and I think she was still living on her own because like jury was out about how old she was and then a woman kind of took her in she became like a family member to them and this woman has always backed her and been like hey these people say the family that originally adopted her like maintained well she acted like an adult or she said this Mm -hmm. or she did that to try to defend themselves and then this woman was like no she was clearly a child and under her care she like flourished and has done really well and you can just tell by looking at photos like she has physically matured in different ways so I think she actually was a child and I think these people were like insanely neglectful and insane and did a horrible thing is probably the actual truth of it. What I like what the hell? Yeah, and like this is recent. Like it's not like this happened like in the 80s mm-hmm. or the 70s. It was like this was in the 2010s. Probably happened in like 2015. Jeez. Yeah. So I just went and looked up the imposter. Mm-hmm. So this was Frederick Bourdain. He had a long like history of impersonating children whether they were like real people or not like that he made them up and so he embellished that he was um a person named nicholas barclay that he was kidnapped from the u.s okay he was like found on the street in spain by police and he was like no like i'm a child blah 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 look like a child not at all oh okay um they believed him. The family believed it was his son. Their son was not. Lived with him for a year. What? I know. He was, like, accepted by so many of the family members. They were all like, oh my gosh, like, it's so happy to have you back. He was dark brown hair and, like, of his skin color. He was a white blonde male. <laughs> this He was impersonating. What? Had dark brown eyes. The son had blue eyes. What but, is happening here? These poor but, people so, were probably... Sorry, go ahead. He was like... It was all like the testing they were doing on me in Spain. And like when they like abused me. That it was like all this like chemical stuff. And they were like, oh, sure. Right. Eventually FBI like figured out like, yo, this is this guy named Frederick. <laughs> and they were like, okay. But I believe personally. So... There's, like, this whole theory of, like, well, maybe the family killed the son and they were, like, just accepting this guy to come in even though he's been missing. Okay. And that they were, like, happy to have somebody to, like, cover up their case seven years later. Were they actually suspected of killing? Yeah. Oh. Um, I need to watch this. This It was really good. Interesting. Um, Yeah, and I don't think it ever was, like, figured out if they, like, did. He never was found, that kid, Nicholas Mm -hmm. Barclay. Where was he taken from? What state was this in? I do not remember, and it does not say. Okay. Anyways, so it's just, like, reminded me of that. That's a wild story. Did you hear about the Walmart Canada drama with the release of Orphan on DVD? 
because both Orphan and another movie that came out around the same time called The Lovely Bones were released in winter of 2009 on DVD, the Atlantic Canadian Walmart regions put them under family feature films for Christmas. Oh, no. Um, (laughs) Oh, no. And that they put them at the top of the list being like, these are like the must-watch movies of like the winter season. And they also did it two years prior with the movie Marley and Me and a movie called Phoebe in Wonderland where they were marked as family comedies. Oh, no. Phoebe in Wonderland is a very dark movie. So apparently this happens in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Get Um, your shit together, Fredericton. And it's one of the only four films to have large posters put up in Walmart directly next to the family films. <laughs> but now a lot of movies are just placed in those catch-all barrels right. that we see with no genre categorization because of... Because Fredericton couldn't get their shit, shit together. together. Yeah, and they kept putting all these movies in the wrong places. That's kind of hysterical. Could you imagine, like... Putting that on. For your children for Christmas? To be fair, like, the cover is very... For Orphan, yes. Scary. But The Lovely Bones? Yeah. But here's the other thing. Read the back of the movie. It's called The Lovely Bones. What did I say? <laughs> no, I'm saying. Oh, I thought I said something different. No, you didn't. No, I'm just like, it's... Like, what about that seems appropriate for children? I know. You're right. She has the loveliest bones. Hmm. I was just, like, laughing through that because... How ridiculous. That is so silly. One other fun little fun fact that I loved about this movie is that Isabel Furman developed and like continued knitting because she watched Vera Farmiga knit projects while she was not working on set. And so she taught her how to knit. We love bonding. I know. That's Um, that's super cute. And also Vera Farmiga said that the film was appealing in so many ways, but largely because she would get a paycheck for once. I read a review of, like, all of the many, many horrible reviews that were basically like, I guess everyone needs a paycheck, which is why Peter Sarsgaard and Vera Farmiga ended up in this trash movie. I was like, oh, I liked it. Yeah, it's not that, like, this movie, like, blew anything out of the water, but it's, like, great for what it is. Uh, Yeah, my, like, final closing note on the movie was essentially that I don't know how well this movie scores as an overall horror movie, But for me, outside of, you know, a list of award-winning movies, it's a perfectly executed movie in terms Mm -hmm. of, like, acting, the writing. I liked it. Oh, one, like, quick note that I wanted to make, just because it's always interesting when this happens. The little girl, Max, who was so cute. Adorable. The character was described as, like, angelically adorable. Mm -hmm. The casting director, I think, was walking around and just observed her in public, signing to her mom. Wow. And do you know that she's actually... Um, she's partially deaf. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say she uses cochlear implants in but real life. She does, but she's not uh, acted since she was in two horror movies and then that was it. And you know what? Sometimes that's all you need. Well, she was just a little kid. I'm sure she was. She probably has other hopes and dreams. Yeah. It's just one of those things where you just kind of get thrown into it. Um. So the last thing, let's talk about the prequel that's coming out. Oh, yeah. Well, is it coming out? It's supposed to be coming out in August is from what I've because I have looked many places for a release date, and it seems like it just keeps getting pushed. This movie is supposed to be called Orphan First Kill. Mm-hmm. Um, it's serving as a prequel to the 2009 one that we just talked about. The original working title was Esther, and it was announced back in February of 2020. But then in November of that year, they changed it to Orphan First Kill. Mm-hmm. And Isabel Furman has like filmed and reprised her role. So it took place in Winnipeg, Canada. Cool. From November to December 2020, and they have filmed it all, and it is scheduled for release in August 2022. 
I'm going to read you the little synopsis that I took from Wikipedia. Okay. It says, Lena Klammer is a woman suffering from hypopituism. Oh, I don't know. Cool. Uh, after impersonating Esther, the missing daughter of Katie and Richard, Richard becomes convinced that it isn't his daughter while Katie disagrees, believing that her husband is suffering from paranoia and hallucinating. Lena tries to separate them, causing some major problems for the family. But they the co- named the woman Katie? Fear for Mika's name was, was Kate in this movie. You know what? Sometimes you win, you lose. Lena tries to separate them, causing some major problems for the family, but the couple was quick to discover that Lena's dark past and murderous history threatening her. Lena becomes outrageous, committing her first kill. <gasps> Wild. Yeah, I'm intrigued by it. It'll be very interesting to see what they do with Isabel as an actual ten adult. some years later. Yeah. If they're gonna keep like her as, I guess, a child, as if it's a prequel, they would have be, to. Yeah, and she should be younger. I don't know what year it's supposed to be set in, but... Interesting. That sounds good. So I hope it is scheduled for release in August 2022 because... It sounds like it's it's changed hands a few times and that's what fucked it up. Yeah. Um, I don't think the original writer or director is on board for it. Um, it's like completely different people. Hmm. Still here for it. Should we rate it? Story. Like a six and a half. I think I just like jumped into the wrong rating. I think we usually start with scary. Take that back. But it's fine. No, we can we can go out of order. It doesn't matter. Sure. Six, I'm cool. Why did you just text me? I just texted you the link to the imposter yeah. online. Uh, six is good. Six, seven. I like it. Mm-hmm. I do think it's like pretty original. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen anything like it since. Scary. It's not a scary movie no. per se. There's not a lot of like, although I did find there's a lot of like things that are supposed to be jump scares where they're like, when she, like, is touching the mirror and opening it and then, like, closes it and mm. you expect something to be there, but there never is. Yeah. And so that, a lot of the time, was, like, more scary than anything. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, Did we give it a number? Two. One. Yeah. Unsettling, I'll go slightly higher. I'll do, like, a three or a four. Yeah, I was going to say four. Because there's some moments where I was like, oh, yeah. Like, it's just, like, I don't know what the word is, but, like, embarrassment almost, you feel. It's, like, that same feeling. Yes, I agree with that. It, there's also just, like, a specific level of discomfort with this movie like the opening scene oh where vera is just like man that woman can scream i know but when she was just screaming i was like i'm just so uncomfortable like this movie is so uncomfortable in a lot of ways and even like you know the scene where um esther goes and pushes the kid off of the slide yeah which deservedly so get Mm -hmm. wrecked that little kid absolutely um even that you're just like oh please yeah stop I agree. So many hammers also in this movie. A lot of hammers. Weapon of choice. Is that it? Yeah. Those are the three. Is it a paper cut or is it a bloody massacre? I'm going to stick with one too many hammers over the head. Can I just steal yours? Because I think that's entirely accurate. Like why? It's a good. It works. One combusted ass pigeon. Oh, it was like dead. Splat. All right. That was Orphan. I do really enjoy it, and I would recommend it for people. Me too. I think it's a good movie. It's just solid. It is two hours, though. Mm. Yes, it was long. I did I did find myself skipping through a lot of it. You know where to find us? Facebook? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we are not on that. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at Podcastacre. You can email us at thebloodypodcastacre at gmail.com. Leave us a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Which we appreciate because we've seen some on Spotify now. Thank you. Thank you so much. And until next time. There's something wrong with Esther.